This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. On this episode, we have Jan Irving, Senior Search Engine Optimization and App Store Optimization Specialist in the BBC Children's Educational Department. Jan, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Uh, hi, thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming. It's great to have you on the show. So let's set the stage first. Do you have kids? By any chance, are they under five? If you happen to be living in the UK and you do have children under five years old, there's a big chance that they play around with apps on their tablet that were developed by BBC. And today, Jan will tell us about what it takes to manage app marketing for the largest portfolio of mobile apps for kids under five. But as always on this show, let's start with you, Jan. Tell us about yourself. How did you start in digital marketing? Um, well, originally, I was going to be a primary school teacher. And then, nice. that, yeah, that didn't, it's quite quite appropriate that I work uh, in the children's department now, but that oh, yeah. didn't quite work out. So I got a job as a link bit writer originally for SEO purposes. And then things just sort of developed from there. So um, I did that for a short period of time. Then I moved on to making uh, infographics. And then I started a infographics studio with my friend, but we were mainly making them for link acquisition. And then, yeah, it just went from there, you know, just getting further into the, the SEO side of things, really, the SEO digital marketing, primarily focused on link acquisition. Then after that, I just went and became a much more general digital marketer, you know, working with small and medium-sized businesses. And then I found myself at the BBC. So you kind of circled back to your original idea, but from a different angle. You're not a teacher who teaches kids, but you're working on apps that are directly cuttered to kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like to think that, you know, I'm, I'm young at heart, so. <laughs> okay. So, well, people know BBC is one of the leading broadcasting companies in the world. I mean, who doesn't know such a bright mind as David Attenborough, the man who pioneered science communication back in the 50s and to this day continues his mission on BBC. Well, BBC is a reliable source of daily news for tens of millions of people globally, but people may not be really familiar with apps that you're doing for SEO and app optimization service for in the company. So, or at least they may um, do not have a, a, any idea because they have a toddlers in their household. So please tell us about these apps. Yeah, so the BBC Children's Department is split into different sections dependent on age so the department that the biggest apps are in are called mm -hmm. cbbs which is directed to the under fives and we have four main apps the first one which is the largest and the oldest is called playtime island which is like a you know a generic gaming app so it provides you know generic gaming experiences for the under fives which have some kind of educational content but it's mainly mm -hmm. just you know save games that you can that you can leave your kids with that are not going to force them to make any micro purchases. So you got Play to Island, you got Go Explore, which is has more of an educational bent. And the idea is there 
not necessarily to teach them specifically how to read, how to learn, but just generally introduce them into the concept of learning and school and routines and all these other kinds of things. So Playtime Island, go explore. Then you have Get Creative, which is, um, unsurprisingly, the creative offering. So it has different kinds of experiences where kids can draw, they can paint, they can build blocks and uh, yeah, save those experiences. Um, and then Storytime, which is different to the other three. The other three are, you know, very interactive gaming-driven experiences, especially mm-hmm. if you play the Mind of the Explore. And Storytime is a digital uh, collection of storybooks. So somewhat different to the other three. Um, and as you said, take, taken together, every week about 20% of zero to six-year-olds in the UK use one of those four apps. That's terrific. So all these four apps, they're developed for kids to interact with them on their own or uh, their parents can be involved as well? Generally speaking, uh, I think it's it's a mixture of the two, depending on which app and which experience they, they're going for. Although I, generally they're built with, with the idea in mind that the parent is going to be there with the child. Um, although some of them are more... Uh, amenable to for the children to be left alone especially when the children mm-hmm. get higher up in the in the age bracket you know when they're more five or six then they, they can definitely left alone when they're younger it's more you know the parent working with the child all right i got it now let's talk about the marketing of these apps uh you're the first person to show who who has brought up the apps that are specifically developer kids uh it's a specific audience um we're not marketing apps directly to kids, obviously, yeah. but to their parents. So what are the channels that are in your disposal? How do you uh, reach out parents? Yeah, so I think that's that's one of the key things is that, as you say, you're not marketing to the children. You are you are marketing to their parents. Um, there's there's a very, very clear line, which we call the, bat, the, the Batman line or the Spider-Man line, and that is uh, six years old. Because once they hit that age, that's when... You know, anything that their parents are trying to expose them to becomes uncool and they're just interested in those those brands, you know, which right. have been which have been targeting them. So uh yeah, we're very much targeting, you know, because six, seven, they move into that age where the parents may control what's on the device, but they're not going to be the, the parents may have knowledge of what's on the device, but they're not going to be directly in control of it. So yeah, as you said, we are marketing to the parents. Um I mean, the the two main, the, the main way which we marketed them is that, uh, you know, we have a captive TV channel in the UK, which is the the CBBC, CBBC and CBBC channels. So mm-hmm. there are often marketing trails on those channels and, you know, indents for the apps. Um, and then, yeah, aside from that, uh, we have the not social chat. We have the BBC's social channels, the children focused social channels. And then aside from that, it's mainly all organic ASO uh, and organic keyword acquisition. Uh, so those are the, those are the three main, the, the three primary channels we have, which are TV advertising, um, socials, and then organic SEO, because we don't use any paid. Right. I think it would be strange if having BBC uh, <laughs> as your uh, backbone, you wouldn't be using all its power to advertise your own <laughs> apps. That would, wouldn't make any sense. Right. So, you know, today marketers, for the most part, rely on two major app stores, the Apple's App Store and Google Play. 
but I watched part of your uh, keynote from the uh, Promotion Summit launched in 2021 in, this March. And you mentioned Amazon uh, App Store as a kind of an underdog, <laughs> if it's possible to refer this to anything about um, Amazon as a, in this um, manner. Uh, tell the audience uh, how much of a success you've seen with the Amazon App Store in terms of you know marketing apps through this channel. Because I know there's some lit- literature, you know, some amount of blog posts and white papers have been written about the Amazon App Store from the app marketing perspective. Not not very much. People are primarily focused on those two. Uh, yeah. Well, for us, the Amazon App Store is both a very important user acquisition channel and also so if you imagine we you know we have the we have the different stores where we get our downloads you know apple ios and amazon so amazon is very important for those downloads but it's also really important because it's where a, a majority of our most engaged users are from so it's like not only do we get a lot of downloads from there the the users that we get from there are more engaged than the ones we get through the other channels so uh, just to throw a stat out there, on occasion, 45% of our users on one of the apps are coming, are using Amazon devices. Now, I think the, pri- the primary reason for that is the Amazon Kindle Fire, and especially mm-hmm. the Amazon Kindle Fire 7, which has a, a retail price in the UK of about uh, £50. So what we see at Christmas time is that these obviously get bought as stocking fillers for, you know, the little ones. Right. Um, and then they're 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 out there, and we notice you know those the, the numbers on Android absolutely explode upwards, and it's coming from from Amazon. Um, also, Amazon has a service which used to be called Amazon Free Time, but it's now mm-hmm. called Amazon Kids Plus, which is a subscription service where you know you basically you buy the Kindle, you buy this Kids Plus, and then it gives the kids a ring fenced app store and everything else where there's no transactions. And they can just do whatever they want in there. So again, we see a lot of people coming through that channel. So for us, and I think this will be true, probably I imagine that those Kindle devices get given out to lots of you know children under the age of twelve before they're really pestering adults for really high end devices. Mm-hmm. I imagine anyone who's targeting that demographic, they should really be looking at Amazon. Because it seems like there's a lot of devices out there and there's relatively little competition in the Amazon App Store and relatively little optimization. Right, because uh, it feels like the major focus uh, is on devices from, you know, the obviously from Apple and Samsung, uh, Huawei, like the uh, like the mainstream of uh, hardware that that has been produced uh, you know on the tablet arena are yeah. is coming from those two and uh, even though like Amazon is not a small player in this field but um, Kindle Fire like the the as a name of a tablet um, kind of a fell under the radar for a number of years and uh, but it kind of translates into the uh, what kind of channels app marketers are using? But as you're saying, um, you're, you're getting the biggest amount of engagement from the Amazon uh, App Store. But what about the tools that the platform provides you to measure um, any KPIs, like uh, anything, like yeah. how good or bad it is? 
they are extremely the the metrics that you get supplied by the Apple by the Amazon App Store are mm-hmm. extremely extremely limited. So we rely on you know external analytics providers to get us that information and just our own monitoring, our own our own our own internal app analytics. Um, mm-hmm. And then also just monitoring the Amazon App Store itself. But the Amazon App App Store, I mean, they basically tell you how many downloads you got, and that's it. So, yeah. But as yeah. I say, um, I think the thing the thing is, it's true. You know, nobody thinks of uh, nobody thinks of Amazon as a device manufacturer. But the fact is, there are so many people with Amazon accounts, and there are so many people with Prime subscriptions. And if you just buy, you know, they're cheap. You can just buy one of them, watch stuff on it. Uh, and then right. equally, if you've got children, you can buy one, give it to your kid with Kids Plus. I think it's like a huge, un, you know, unconsidered market. So That's a great point. I mean, you're not the only company who is covering that market uh, section. So obviously, web marketers should keep on the radar Amazon App Store as one of the market they can succeed on. Now... Another point that you brought up during your APS London 2021 uh, talk was seasonality mm-hmm. and your vision for how it should be applied to apps marketing campaign. So please uh, tell us about how it works. Um, yeah, so when when I talk about seasonality, I don't mean just like adding snowflakes to your assets or hearts to it when it's Valentine's <laughs> Day. Right. Um, or putting the main character in a Halloween costume. It's sort of like every industry has its own seasonality, um, be that, you know, Valentine's Day for dating apps or tax season for finance apps or sports apps, which have an extreme degree of seasonality depending on which, you know, championship or um, league is, is coming to culmination in that time period. Um, right. So, so the the idea of seasonality is that like there are thing when there are things happening offline where your audience is undergoing a specific emotional shift, and the idea is that if you can catch them, you know, if you can trigger that or align with that emotional shift that they're going through, um, you're going to see an increase in in acquisitions. So now, obviously, the audience I work with, which is the under six. Um, that does involve putting, you know, a spooky Halloween costume on the characters and putting a pumpkin on things and that sort of stuff. Um, but when we do do that, you know, when we seasonalize the assets, um, we notice significant increases in uh, conversion rates. And also there's the chance, especially in Apple, that on the Apple App Store, that you're going to get featured in like seasonal lists and uh, mm-hmm. th- that sort of things, which in some cases we have seen, you know, for the for the seasonal periods, you know, we've seen a doubling in average weekly downloads. Um, so it can be really, really uh, impactful if you get it right. Um, so yeah, that's when I talk about seasonality. It's really just figuring out what your audience, what is going on in the real world that your audience is engaging with, and figuring out how you can somehow respond to that. They're relevant to their emotional state, uh, you know, during this period. Yeah. Yeah, got it. Um, sport. I would say like sports apps really have an opportunity to do that, especially around you know the, when the football championships and that sort of stuff are coming to culmination, and then also um, you know movie or film apps that around the times of um, big movie releases or like new series coming out, um, which is something that iPlayer, which is the BBC's mm-hmm. um, uh, the BBC's uh, you know on demand service app, uh, does to some degree. 
Right. Okay. So let's switch the gears a little bit. Uh, Let's talk about A-B testing. Uh, We did bring A-B testing before on this show, but I want to get your take uh, on what does it take to conduct proper ABT testing for uh, apps for uh, from your portfolio? Um, well, I for our portfolio, I would split it into two different types of AB testing. So we do larger, uh, you know, I, I, well, I would split it into micro and macro. So the micro testing is probably the easiest one to explain, which is mm-hmm. just the ver- the variation of very very small elements within the listing. Um, and these are, you know, we, the BBC is a large organization, so we've got loads of different teams. And the idea is with the micro testing is that it's small changes in the store assets, which the team charged with managing the list, listings can undertake themselves without us having to get, you know, additional sign off or get additional resources from somewhere else. So for the micro testing, that's stuff like um, changing changing the size of fonts, changing the color of fonts, changing the color of backgrounds, uh, changing the order in which um, screenshots appear, right. um, or, or maybe moving where a character appears on the on the image. And so there is just the idea that those probably aren't going to result in major um, changes in conversion rate, but we're just hoping that one of them will, you know, give us a 2 3 5%. Um, and we de- you you know occasionally it does nothing and occasionally it does work. Um, so I'm a big proponent of that. I remember a few years ago. I guess it was because of the, one of the updates um, updates in the app marketing copy that uh, became available to app marketers on the Apple's App Store. People start playing with the screenshots, actually just uh, splitting one uh, image into. You know, two three parts and putting in these different screenshots. Do you see this idea have any merit? Does it work, or it's not worth it? Well, we've not seen the impact of that. So maybe it does work for certain verticals. I don't think it works for us. Um, the thing that we found has one of the biggest impacts was that we made the. Um, we made the characters, you know, because it's a branded experience. So, it's, you know, some of the right. brand characters are very, very well known. The lot when we made those larger, they converted better. So, that was that was one of the main things that we did. Um, so, that's sort of like more micro testing. I would say macro testing is where we do like big changes to the listing. So, that's often where we've got a a number of different icons that we're going to test against one another for for seasonality mm-hmm. purposes, or we're changing like the entire style of the of the listing. Um, which requires more, you know, the, the designers to get involved in all that sort of thing. So those are much more structured and, you know, those are timetabled in quite a long time before they happen. Gotcha. So uh, I assume you're using uh, Google Play Store tools to conduct AB, ABA testing, right? Yeah, that's ABA correct. Testing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you can approximate uh, your, um, your insight you're getting on the Amazon App Store and um, iOS App Store, right? Yeah, well, we generally think so because it's it's mainly altering, you know, the visual look of the assets, and we presume that that applies across all stores. And generally, when we apply the results to the other stores, we do see a similar change in performance. So, 
Right, but I uh, just want to re- reiterate that it's A-B testing is an important part of the app marketing uh, toolbox because it's all about the perception. Those small changes in a font size, in a color, in what you're putting in a, the screenshot do influence how people are quicker or uh, slower getting like the idea of the app and connect with it or just skip it and uh, try the next one. This is, uh, should be should be part of your toolkit for sure. Oh, oh yeah, because um, you know, if you think about it, especially I, I'm a big proponent of icon A/B testing because you know that step in the funnel of going mm-hmm. from you know search result, I see a tiny icon to the listing is perhaps the most important. So you know, you've got that tiny piece of real estate, which is perhaps the most important part of your listing. So it's really worth A/B testing that, um, and then also. I think it, what is the size of the window of opportunity that you have to get someone to install, you know, rather than to go back to the search listings, you know, it's, it's tiny. So I think you really should spend the time um, trying to optimize your listing as much as possible. And, you know, Google play store have a very robust AB testing system. Um, and I am also a big proponent, although we don't do it as much as we should of making big changes to the listing. Cause you're going to quickly find out whether something works or something doesn't work. And mm-hmm. finding out something doesn't work, at least you can then stop thinking about it um, and then try to find something that does work. So, yeah. Yeah, like paraphrasing uh, Edison, he was telling something like, uh, I didn't make mistakes. So I just figured out a thousand ways of not doing it, this thing, something like that. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, and right. then, you know, you've mm-hmm. got all that, you've got all that free mental space to think something that does work. Totally. One of the common problems that marketers encounter in general is language related. While we all have our own vocabulary and this natural bias to believe that this is how other people talk and the words they're using to search for things on the app stores. Um, How do you deal with this problem? Um, Well, it's certainly one that we've encountered within the BBC um, because uh, we have a you know, we have a, a very well-developed public service ethos, um, and that often means we think that we've got to do things properly and mm-hmm. ex- also extends to how we speak, which can be a problem because that doesn't always align with how people actually talk in the real world. So I think one of the things that we really became aware of was paying close attention to how the listings of our competitors were worded and, you know, what they were using. So I always think it's really important to know who your competitors are and to constantly be checking what they're doing. Uh, Because that should feed back into your A-B testing cycle as well. Because, you know, maybe they've found something out and then you can piggyback off that. Um, So, you know, checking their listings, checking the language that they use, figuring out which keywords they're ranking for. Um, And then similarly, again, having it for us, it's relatively simple because as we talked about earlier, we have a very, very clear target demographic, which is the parents of zero to five zero to five-year-olds, there's a lot of places where they hang out online. So it's very, very easy to eavesdrop on their conversations and see how they're talking about things. But again, you know, go to where your audience is and just see how they speak. Um, and yeah, we've, we found those two things, checking our competitors, finding out where your demographic lives online and eavesdropping to be very successful. And I think it's especially important when you go, you know, international and uh, release your app on different app stores. You have to know the local culture 
the language they're using, not just, you know, using Google Translate as your main way of, you know, uh, bringing your app to the different market. You have to know, you know, small details. Um, so once again, you have to check out the places of where your audience are hanging out online in those countries to make sure that you're not off the target. Just assuming that, you know, simple translation will be enough to actually do a proper search engine optimization and app store optimization, actually both. Um, and I think that that also applies not only to uh, different languages, but just different territories where they speak English, because, you know, they all have their own little quirks and it can be a real big difference. Uh, absolutely. That's that's right. Totally. Okay, at this point, we've covered the major topic on the table, and uh, this is the point where I'm asking uh, like every guest on the show just a few quick questions to paint a better picture of who he or she is for the audience. All right, question number one. Are you iOS or Android person? On which side of the fence are you? Oh, Android. Android till I die. All right, God, finally somebody's on, on the, from the Android camp. <laughs> Because it's not fair to have just only folks from the iOS. Okay, uh, what was your first mobile phone? Uh, well, my first my first mobile phone, uh, I think was a was an Ericsson GS one nine three in nineteen eighty eight. Uh, but my first smartphone was an Ericsson E ten. Hmm. Nice. Uh, this is the first time you know we were heading to 70 episodes. So this is the first time somebody's naming Ericsson as a smartphone. I mean, mobile phone, uh, which is a great. I mean, people only, uh, for the most part, they stuck to Nokia uh, and Motorola. Uh, I guess Nokia uh, so far has been like the champion on the show. <laughs> okay, so uh, hypothetically, imagine uh, you've left your smartphone at home, uh, like, you know, going somewhere, groceries, uh, anywhere. Uh, what would be the most missing feature for you? Oh, uh, Google Maps. If I'm out, I'm probably lost. So, <laughs> Got it. Um, okay, uh, you're looking at your um, smartphone and uh, you, you may go like, would be great this thing can last like for days like, you know, uh, mobile phones used to or any other, you know, um, capacity, both hardware and software, that it's not there yet, but you're thinking wouldn't be great if it had it. What would be that feature? Um, I, the thing that I'm most excited about is like the the advancement of the biomonitoring and the health stuff. So it's where you know you're going to be able to just you know clip some, put a little patch on, and it'll mm-hmm. monitor all your vitals, and it'll be synced to your phone and updated. And you know, being a hypochondriac, that's what I'm very very excited about. Um, so, and I also think that's where lots of exciting stuff is going to happen in the future. Right. It, it, uh, it looks like uh, healthcare, like the next uh, industry, is waiting for disruption. Yeah. All right. And before I let you go, like a very final question How can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? Uh, the best place to uh, get in touch with me is just through LinkedIn. It's just Ian M. Irving. And yeah, that's where you can find out everything you could want to know about me. Terrific. Thanks so much for your time and coming on my podcast, Jan. Thank you. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. Bye-bye. 
And that was Jan Irving, Senior Search Engine Optimization, Abstract Optimization Specialist in the BBC Children's Educational Department. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. We release episodes on Mondays, so subscribe and you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.